Welcome back, ladies and gentlemen, to episode 37 of Bell to Bell with Bobby Blaze. I am your host, Professor Jeremy Vilmer, and joining us now, the Beat the TV champ from Smoky Mountain Wrestling, reigning and defending, the one and only Bobby Blaze. What's happening, Bobby? Hey, hey, look at me, man. It's me, Bobby Blaze, and I'm on TV. (laughs) (laughs) Hey, I've got one for you, Professor. Yeah. All right, here you go, man. Hey, Herb! Turn down the radio. You're at your mom's house. <laughs> okay, oh. little backstory, okay? <laughs> but if Herb's out there listening. So we're getting uh, podcasts over, man, uh, especially this area. Uh, I, more and more people, I'm getting more and more stories from this area. Uh, the uh, You know, on my local market, I guess. But my brother, you know, he's a chaplain for hospice, so he gets out a whole lot and sees a lot of people and uh, does some hospital work and stuff. And apparently, uh, we've got a lot of people that follow us here, and I've, it's a really good feeling. But uh, <laughs> I guess one of us, or maybe both, because it hasn't happened this particular episode. So, hey, Herb, listen. Turn your radio down. You're at your mom's house. <laughs> Fuck! Here's a, here's, a, here's a warning. F-bomb coming. Fuck! Okay. Now, I told him the other day. I told my brother. We're, we're actually trying to clean up the show a little bit with the F-bombs. But uh, apparently, this gentleman was uh, uh, listening to the podcast, and uh, the wife had to tell him, because she told my brother the story. She said, uh, I had to yell in there, hey, her." Turn down that radio. You're at your mom's house. And I guess uh, he's listening to the podcast full blast, and you and I are just dropping the F-bombs like this. And, uh, you know, I don't know, maybe uh, for whatever reason, the the mom didn't want to hear them. Yeah, there's there's been a time or two where we've carpet-bombed the room with F-bombs. So, Yeah. yeah. Anyway, I just I thought you know what that might be a good way to open a show and give one of our fans a shout out. You know I don't know them, but uh, uh, there are a lot of people out here listening, and we're we're finally getting our you know seems like we're getting into a groove of things. And the last few episodes have been really really good. This episode we hope is going to be just as good. We're going to do we've had this one in a can for a while as to what we're going to do. It's going to be on a top ten referees. Um, I, we've kind of thrown this one around uh, for several weeks now, but uh, of course, announcers came, and then we did Black History Month. Then we had an interview with William. Mm-hmm. Thank you, William, for coming on the show, by the way. Uh, but yeah, we've just uh, we finally got around to the referees. And Jeremy, you just kind of maybe tell the people if you don't care. All right, folks, we understand there's more than ten referees in the world. <laughs> so Jeremy, kind of set the perimeters up. If well, you will, Jeremy, how we do this, this kind of thing. You yeah. Know? So you know, I, I do want to preface this a little bit. You know, our yeah. you, our YouTube page has been blowing up lately. I mean, we've got seventy thousand, more than seventy thousand views on our poll or North Bed. Yes. And there's a handful of guys, man, that pop up over and over again in all the videos to say oh this person's too high or too low and like you see them on almost every video when you go through the same guys saying that time and time again and guys we know that there's, <laughs> there's, this this is not i mean th- the way this works is bobby and i come up with an idea and then we talk about who's going on the list and we literally get out like like a, a check ledger and start trading back and forth about who we're going to keep and who we're not and keep in mind Bobby's an author. We're here to sell you books as well, you know? <laughs> so sometimes we gear our content to reflect what is in the books. We know that some people sometimes, like, I've come off of a list. I know you and I have both had this feeling. We've finished a list, recorded the episode, and then we listen to it and go, well, fuck, how was Bob Cottle so low? Yeah. You know? How did we screw that up? We know, guys. Uh, I mean, I, I appreciate you taking the time to comment and say everything. Please keep doing it. Please keep giving us thumbs down if that's what turns you on. But, guys, trust us. We know that sometimes our numbers are goofy. Bobby, did I did I handle that properly? Yes, you did, Professor. Yes, you did. Um, so with that said, you know what? We're here to sell books, and we're talking about referees. I'm just going to – what a great little segue you fed me there. I'm going to read a little something out of my second book <laughs> that's available. It's called I Kicked Out on Two, The Educational Wrestler. It's available at tinyurl.com slash blazebook2. Okay, just throwing that out there. Mm-hmm. I'm just going to read a sentence here about referees. This is a little story called Questionable Tactics. It's about six pages long, short little story. But a quote I'm going to use here is a Jim Cornette quote from Rags, paper, and pens, okay? The most maligned 
thankless job in wrestling is that of the referee, but it is a necessary job, and there would be no matches without them. So even though a referee may not always see every infraction of the rules, these men deserve thanks from both the wrestlers and the fans. And guess what? We're going to be talking about our favorite 10 referees, and you can also get Cornette's book using tinyurl.com, BB, BB, rags. And while I'm at it, go ahead and go to tinyurl.com slash Bobby or Blaze Book One for Pin Me Pay Me. Have Boost Will Travel. Guys, if you purchase the books through there using that tiny URL, Jeremy and I, we get a little bit kicked back off the show. Uh, it doesn't cost you anything extra. It's just a quick shortcut to get to the Amazon page. And uh, you can help sponsor and support the show that way. And we appreciate that very much. Did I handle that okay, Jeremy? I, I think you did beautifully, Bobby. Okay. You got the honorable mention, referees. Cause I've got a couple of stories and we'll go on from there. I do. And uh, this one, I'm going to just say that my honorable mention is dangerous. Danny Davis for my uh, experience in wrestling. When I watched it as a young, as, as a child or teen, Danny Davis was the first referee I ever saw go heel. I think you're right, man. <laughs> and, uh, it, it carried like when you started seeing like little dirty calls here and there and eventually blew up into full scale chicanery. It was, it blew my mind. It blew my little, my little professorial mind. <laughs> All right. Dangerous Danny Davis. And you said anyone that had that dangerous name, you really liked that too. Yeah. Right? I yeah. know you cheer, you cheer for them heels, you old oh, heel yeah. prick. Absolutely. So I had a couple, I'm just going to tell you a real pretty couple stories just real quickly. Uh, I went to the Monster Factory before I got into business. I was trying to, you know, learn how do you get into professional wrestling, and I've set up rings, I, you know, whatever. So I went uh, up to New Jersey, and this is years ago, you know, many, many years ago now, of course. I ended up going to Malenko School. I, I found my footing there. But I just went up for this little uh, type tryout little thing, and it was several uh, – referees there or excuse me several wrestlers there that you know was on the up and coming because they're they're just starting off they're in training it's what it is training school but one of the people that stopped by was a referee and i didn't know he was because we didn't really get wwf tv back then right. but i had went to i drove over from baltimore uh, over to New Jersey to where it was at. When I came home, my uncle was asking who I met, who I, and I told him some of the wrestlers, and I'm not going to mention them now. Some of them went on for careers, some of them didn't. But I mentioned this guy's name, and I said, oh, and I met this referee named Dick Worley. Dick Worley. And my uncle went, Dick Worley! Oh, my God, you met Dick Worley! He popped more because he was he was such a WWF mark at the time, and he knew that was a name because the other guys he didn't know. They might have been up and comers or whatever. He never knew it. But he popped for that referee, and I thought, well, hell, he must be a good referee then. So I'm going to give Dick Worley a, uh, a damn honorable mention, even though I just met him one time. And, I, of course, I saw him after. I knew to look for the referee. But um, but my uncle popped for him, and I thought that was pretty good. The other one I'm giving is a guy named uh, Sandy McGee. It's a young guy I helped train many, many years ago. And he wore these thick-ass Coke bottle glasses man and i mean he couldn't see anything so and, and that's a straight shoot he couldn't and so i gave him the name sandy mcgee the blind referee you know and uh so that's just he traveled the roads with me a lot of times and we had a lot of good times up and down the highway and i always just kept waiting for that one two three count and right when he got the two maybe he'd just pop up and not count the shoulders down and rub his eyes and look at the glass and say, Hey, you know, the subscription ran out, you know, the prescription <laughs> ran or something stupid. But he was a, he was just a funny character to travel around with. And that's my other shout out because we know the referee, if there's not a referee, man, uh, you know, we've talked about it before on other podcasts that they're an important part of the show. We're finally getting around to honor some of these greats in the world of professional wrestling. Um, and and sometimes it is a thankless job. So, um, and they don't see every infraction, but that's okay. That's all part of the deal, man. Oh, yeah. But we're we're going to honor them here. Do you do you have anything else to say before we go into our top ten? Is there anything I've left out there? Oh, we're going to – the episode? We're, we're going <laughs> to cover the specifics, but I, I do remember there was a point uh, – when I was watching WCW uh, during its heyday, and I believe it was Pee Wee. And okay. I, that is when I realized how integral a referee is to a match, to the storytelling, to the, the pacing, and to setting up the tension in the ring at that time. And um, I before then, I had never picked it up before. So for me, the referees are truly the unsung heroes of storytelling and wrestling. 
Absolutely. Absolutely. So we're honor some of them, daggone it. Mm-hmm. <laughs> All right. Well, how about starting us off with number 10? I know this comes in from tax. Uh, you kind of, if you want to preface this with number 10 and I'll kind of tell my part or however you want to do it. Sure. Well, we let's just, let's we just, wasn't real sure about this. Yeah. Man. Let's just roll right into it. Number 10 okay. is Sonny Fargo. Yes. Uh, and uh, please do note that he is a Fargo. Uh, <laughs> you know, he's, uh, was Roughhouse was his other name? Yes. Yes. And that's what Tech sent me. I knew him, uh, didn't know him personally, but recall him being part uh, with Jackie Fargo uh, over here in the uh, Memphis Territory as Roughhouse Fargo. Uh, but apparently, you know, he'd come out of the nut house a couple times a year and he'd have his hair real long, crazy, whatever. Well, it wasn't real long. I'm just the blonde, you know, the yeah. whole thing. And uh, would act like a crazy man. They'd sell out, uh, I guess, Memphis, Louisville, Evansville. I guess everybody went on a loop. I guess they sell it out for a few weeks. But little did I know, something was happening on the other side of the Appalachian Mountains down there in the Carolinas. Uh, maybe you could fill us in on what Tech sent us on that, Jeremy. Well, yeah, so on one side of the Appalachians, he's Roughhouse Fargo. On the other <laughs> side, he's a referee. Uh, apparently a pretty important one. Now, you know, one of the problems you run into with that regional wrestling from before a time period where I could pick it up on UHF. There's a lot of these guys I only know of like in a legendary status. I've never seen a lot of the stuff they did. I've only ever heard right. about it. And uh, Sonny Fargo and the Fargos in general are kind of in that department for me. Yeah, me too, actually. I mean, that's that's the thing. I Over there, apparently, he was he was the mild-mannered, white-haired referee, you know. Mm-hmm. But over here, he was a wild man out of the, the, the nut house, you yeah. know. So, and a lot of that's just, uh, like yourself, on that part of it, that's just stuff I've heard later on. I don't recall, you know, seeing him referee. And maybe if you go back on tape or something and see it, you can see him refereeing probably been the same year. Uh you know, doing the uh, the old white-haired, you know, well-mannered referee calling the most important matches at the times, and then on the other side, you know, a couple couple weeks out of the year just being a wild man over over in the Memphis territory. So, anyway, hopefully got that right for text. We're just kind of giving that to uh, Sonny Fargo and for all of our fans that listen to us down in the uh, the Carolinas and, and that area and the old Memphis fans. We're going to be touching a lot of different people in this, and so we just kind of threw that one out there, and we put it together for, uh, for Tex that does our graphics, so kind of giving him a shout-out there. Yeah, so, absolutely. Uh, we, we appreciate that. Number nine, how about that? Uh, Tim White from the WWF during the 80s and 90s. Tell us a little bit about uh, Tim. Well, Tim White was, I, I believe he started as, or you know that the way he got noticed or came to attention is he was Andre's assistant and driver. Yes. And so he was Andre's right-hand man. Um, I remember Tim especially from <laughs> – this is going to sound so fucking stupid. Um, they, they were doing bits of him trying to commit suicide and failing miserably. And uh, these are the things that stand out to me, first off, just because of the callousness of doing yeah. that. And secondly, because, God help me, gallows humor gets my funny bone. <laughs> There you go. (laughs) Well, you know, the thing, I I remember him refereeing, but I didn't know until maybe the, I guess, the late 90s when they started some of those shows. I guess they do like on biography or A&E channels and stuff. When they start doing these biographies on Andre and stuff that, you know, Tim White was actually his right hand man, like you said. I just knew him as the referee on TV every week, you know, all through the eighties and nineties and stuff. But yep. apparently he had a lot of a lot of important decisions were made back in the back with him. Um I'm sure he sent up production meetings. Uh like you said, he he refereed probably so much on TV, you just look up and get used to seeing a guy, but I didn't even know his name because, you know, they hardly ever sometimes there there was a phase there and I know they do it now. Uh I, I don't watch it, but I hear, and that is um, they don't mention a referee sometimes. Right. And and I don't like that. I think what you said earlier about how important referees are, I think it's important that you say, you know, referee in this match will be and sanctioned by, you know, the NWA yep. or, or whatever they say. They should be this match is refereed by. Your official for tonight will be Tim White or what have you. You know, that, that to me, I, I do miss that part of it. That's kind of going back to the territories of, like you said, you know, you got a character on one side. You know, that you may not have seen. He's working heel one place, face another place, you know, without all the internet. And, yeah. and like, even starting with UFWTV uh, or whatever, UWFTV rather, um, when you start picking those things up or here, so you had, you know, you had magazines or what have you, you didn't know. But, 
the referee, you know, that's one of the things you, you need to you need to let your audience, your TV audience, because I know at the house shows, I would I always find it found it important that when they announce this guy's the referee, I, I don't know why. Maybe because me, it's just I'm a traditionalist. You do it in boxing. You do yeah. it in MMA. I mean, UFC fucking does it. They, you know, who doesn't know who big John McCarthy is? You know what I'm saying? Yeah. Well, the, um. <laughs> uh, yeah, let's. Uh, I'm gonna fall, I'm gonna pull on this string a little bit here. Yeah, please um, do. I heard recently that you know when AEW ceases to be just a t-shirt company and actually starts putting on matches, they're yeah. going to have stats and everything before the fights. Okay. I think it's very important. Uh, look, I I get it. Kayfabe's over. Um, but I'll tell you what. Every indie guy I talk to says I can't make you think wrestling is real, but I can make you think I'm real. Yep. And that is what they're shooting for is they don't, you know, they, they want you out of the moment when you're watching them. They don't want you thinking yeah. about how this is a bullshit match. And for my money, the way you do that is you treat it like an actual sport yes. and, and saying who the ref is and letting the ref have a little personality. And you're right. They've become yes. kabuki uh, stage set managers more than anything else now. Yeah. Well, I like that idea, and I hope it works because I know, like when I was in Japan, that to me, that's I just answered a fan question the other day. Uh, they asked me about the competitiveness of, of the Japanese wrestling, and that's that's what I kind of answered them was they still keep it competitive, you know, and it, that's uh, the old Johnny Valentine saying, you know, I I can't make you believe wrestling real, but I can, you know, damn sure make you believe I'm real, you know, mm -hmm. and my match is real. But if they do that, like the magazines and even the newspapers uh, over in Japan, they would put in there, you know, uh, Bobby Blaze won, you know, like I'd be like 3-0, and oh, and then I'm getting ready to wrestle maybe a Sasuke or whatever. So they see it and they read it, so, oh, it's this big American, you know, he's, he's won three matches in a row. So when you do re wrestle the top star for that promotion, you know, the Japanese is still competitive. And I hope I hope they do that, man. And, again, the referees, uh, the stats, and uh, if, if for nothing else, while you're watching that, you have you've gotten away from uh, the uh, the believability is what it is. You know, yeah. you've got to make people believe. And they can suspend their belief for just that hour or two hours of the show and, and enjoy it for what it is, you know. Um, I think we all seeking that. I think there's a lot of guys on the indies. I don't talk to a whole bunch, but I talk to a select few when I see them, and I get that same vibe, man. They still want to put asses in seats, and they still want to get out there and have good matches. And um, I see referees doing the same thing. I've had trained a couple referees, as mentioned, and I think these young people, you know, do a good job at that. I hope the uh, what is it? What do you say? A A AEW -A all AEW. Yeah. Uh, so I hope they you know sell a few T-shirts, but uh, hopefully they get on TV here soon too. Yep. Uh, and become a wrestling company. Um, I know people say that all over the place, but uh, I wish them luck, man. I oh, I do too. Luck. I think it's so, it's it's um it's better for everybody when there is competition, when there yes. is a choice in the market, when there is other stuff to watch. Not only that, look, I mean, the fact of the matter is WWE is going to get better because of it. Oh, they're yeah. they're going to have a larger talent pool to look at. They're going to be able to do more things better, and they're going to have to not sit on their ass as much. Yep, everyone will up their game. Competition mm -hmm. does that for you. Yep. Uh, guys want to get noticed. They still want to get caught up. They, that gives them another option for other young guys to go to another organization to find work uh, in, a, in a field they love, professional wrestling. And that goes for uh, ballets and managers and referees, you know, all aspects yep. of it. So, you know... Um, Hell yeah, let's let's see if they do it though. Well, let's get back on track though. Absolutely. Uh, coming in at number eight is Bill Alfonso. Alfonzi. Um, he is. I didn't know this actually. Uh, the Cuban assassin Dave Sierra. I met the original Cuban Angel, and David got the permission to use him. Fidel Sierra uh, got permission to use that name. Well, Fonzie is his cousin, and I didn't know that. But I met him when I was down in Florida. He worked for a championship uh, wrestling from Florida, and then um, you know he's worked at all the major promotions throughout the you know North America basically or at least the United States I should say but uh I met him several years later again 
when he was Taz's personal ref, or excuse me, Sabu's personal referee. I'd done some shows. You was talking about earlier off the air. I used to do some shows up in, in uh, Cleveland area. I'd do mm-hmm. three or four days, a little loop up there. And uh, uh, Sabu come in, and they'd bring in ECW guys. They'd bring Smoky Mountain guys this and that. But uh, Fonzie was still refereeing then, and he was Sabu's personal ref. Of course, a lot of people remember him later on in ECW with the uh, whistle. And I think he managed Taz. Did he manage Sabu and all that? But but I, I he actually, if I'm not mistaken, don't fact check me if you want to. People can. He may have been on the first arcade, if I'm not mistaken, as a referee too. Um, oh, I don't I, know. I'm pretty sure about that, but I know he's been around forever and a day. Like I said, I, I met him in Florida a couple times, and then I, I haven't seen him for years. Of course, I actually talked to a couple people that knew him away from the ring up in the uh, Charleston, West Virginia area. And so I uh, hope he's doing good now. Hope everything's going good. But I know he was a very popular referee. Uh, so I just thought, you know, hell, put him on the list. Bill Alfonso. Um, so. Yeah, well, and he was definitely a guy who got his uh, extreme, you know, uh, extreme wrestling was really his niche. And yeah, yeah. I, I can't find it now, but I did see somewhere that Bob Roop is his stepbrother? Maybe. Oh, is maybe, that right? I think so. I, I need to double check because I found yeah. it earlier, but now I don't. Now I'm not seeing it. But he's a guy who is from wrestling. Yeah. Did, you know, did it. I think I remember him. Was he with uh, Van Dam for a while? Yes. yes yeah. He was. And I, I, that's what I remember was him. You know, yeah. flinging around outside the ring, blowing the whistle, acting like right. a lunatic. That's him. Yeah. That's he- uh, if I'm not mistaken, also when I was doing this, and again you can fact check this, when I and I, I'm not asking you to, uh, if you want to, that's fine. And if the fans want to, that's fine. They can use the hashtag BBBB, and you can find Jeremy on Twitter at the Geekish Cast. You can find me on Twitter at Bobby Blaze 744, or you can go to the joint account, which Jeremy has done a wonderful job at. We're almost at 2,000 listeners uh, and followers off of the uh, Twitter page, and that's Bell to Bell Blaze. But on there, uh, if I'm not mistaken, he actually started off, I think one of his earliest matches was refereeing Terry Funk and someone else in kind of a hardcore kind of match. Uh, I don't the, know that. I think it was the Sheik and Terry Funk. Sheik and Terry, yes, that's yeah. what it was. So I saw that, and I thought, you know what, Jeremy will probably find that out. Uh, so, yeah, and if anyone else wants to fact check it, please do, man, because uh, we had several people contribute to this list. I had a couple more people. I didn't mention my honorable mentions on this list, and I was like, oh, I'm getting a whole lot of people coming in uh, that want this personal list or want that personal list. And I, I know that's going to lead to my next one. So did you have any more things else to say about Alfonso Alfonso there? Oh, no. I think that pretty much covers him. Yeah. Um, you, he's really a guy. You just got to go watch it to see why he was, yeah. he was a fun ref. Yeah. And, and refs were fucking lunatics in ECW and XPW where he worked, yep. you know, where he really cut his teeth. They were yep. They were insane. Uh, well, that's going to bring us number seven. When I said the fans helped on this, I knew if I let, I had this person, I wasn't sure if I was going to put them on the list or not. I mean, I was, but I didn't know where. And people, you all hit us up. Uh, I, I, I don't know how much was on the uh, Bell to Bell Blaze or page or podcast page. I know of mine, I got a lot for Jerry Calhoun, man, uh, a mainstay in Memphis. He's a friend of Jerry Lawler's, and, man, he if you watched Memphis TV at any time, you would see Jerry Calhoun as the referee to all those huge matches that took place, whether it be t- – he done TV, house shows, everything. And I thought, man, the, our fan base, if nothing else, because a lot of them wrote in about several of these guys that we mentioned and we're going to mention, and I thought – Excuse me there. If if I leave Jerry Cahoon off, our fan base is going to be hot. How did you fucking forget or miss? Uh, hey, Herb, turn the radio down. Uh, <laughs> I'm dropping F-bombs. But, yeah, how, how can you know, you know not watch Memphis wrestling and not know that name? Because you talk about uh, what we saw about Territory Days and talk about knowing your referee. People knew this match is sanctioned by or brought to you by or what have you, whether it be an AWA or Back in the day, NWA sanctioned by whatever, but you knew the referee was Jerry Calhoun, you know. So mm-hmm. uh, that that's that's pretty much the referee. That, as far as I know, and he may have worked for some for NWA or WCW. So I don't know, but as far as I know, 
he stayed busy the entire time Memphis ran, and I don't know if he went anywhere else other than that. I could be wrong, but I know he was a mainstay on all those Memphis and did all the house show towns, and he did the loops and, you know, TVs and everything, man. So that's why he's number seven. Uh, I don't know if he could have been any higher, but I knew, by God, he better be on that list because we're going to have some hot fans if he's not. Yep, absolutely. <laughs> so, <laughs> uh, yeah, and you, you brought up that he was like, he was a guy that came in with Lawler because he was one of uh, Jerry Lawler's friends. And to me, the Jerry Lawler thing is always amazing because Jerry Lawler got into wrestling because of his artwork. Yes. And became one of the biggest wrestling stars of all time. And yeah. it all started with drawing wrestlers. Yeah. Yeah. And that Fargo connection there, uh, and, and all of Memphis, I mean, hell, that's why he's the king, man. Yep. But think about people that was his, that were his friends too. For, I know we're not talking managers, but like Jimmy Hart and other wrestlers. He had cousins that wrestled and mm-hmm. he had referees that were his friends. I mean, fuck me, man. Uh, if I, Maybe ask the ticket, you know, uh, in Memphis. That that's why he's the king, you know. Yep. Uh, but anyway, so Jerry Calhoun, you make the list, man, and I hope I made a couple people happy, and Jeremy did by putting him on a list and keeping him on it. And uh, otherwise, uh, a few of you guys that wrote me would have been hot, I'm sure. Oh yeah, well uh, look, and, and look, we <laughs> we know to expect hate mail after a top ten list. It's just yeah. part of the part of the gig now. Um, we're gonna go to number six yes, with Randy Pee Wee Anderson. Right. <laughs> um, now, of course, he was one of the a handful of referees that were just like in the ring all the time at WCW. Yeah. Um, you know, he was like he him. There's a handful of others, but we're talking about him right now. This is a guy who you didn't notice he was in the ring, but you knew his name every time he was the efficient in official yep. in the ring. Um, he was he was also one that he could sell the shit out of everything happening in the ring, too. Yeah, he had. Yeah, he'd had that gimmick down good. Yeah. He, he he was in. He was involved in the match the way a referee should be involved in a match. Like you said, he was he was seen, but he wasn't seen. Yeah, you know, he done his job, but he was invisible. You know, that's the way it should be, man. Um, so that that just helps string along. Of course, he broke in. He was an amateur wrestler, and uh, I knew that because he talked to me a lot about it when I was there. Uh, I had actually met him before I. Uh, signed my contract i used to go to some house shows and talk to some of the guys he was one of them was always pretty nice to me and uh he broke in far and anderson though and a guy uh ted allen is the one teddy allen is the one that broke him in down in georgia i guess rome georgia but uh i knew ted i bought a ring off ted many many years ago and uh uh ted worked all over georgia and i Memphis. wcw and all these different places but he's no georgia boy and i guess he got uh Arn and uh, Pee Wee and a couple other guys are start back in the day, and I guess Pee Wee uh, just you know he hell he was only like 119 pounds it said for his his state. I know he wrestled, but I know at what weight, but I don't know that he was much more than 119 pounds with his referee and thus the name Pee Wee Anderson. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and that's our number six. With that said, Jeremy, I'm gonna give a cheap plug and do all. 10 through 6, if that's okay. Sounds good to me. All right. Well, you mentioned earlier about that YouTube page, man, blowing up. Man, we've got like 1,600 subscribers, and we appreciate that. Orndorff video has like 70,000, like you said. There's so many others on there of the legit badasses that are hitting two, five, seven thousand views, man. We appreciate that. Always when you go on there, here's what you do. Go to YouTube. You just type in tinyurl.com backslash bb bb video that'll take you to the youtube page for the bell to bell with bobby blaze podcast also what's very important is what smart me up to this this week jeremy mm-hmm. not only do we want you to subscribe hit that like button man give us a damn thumbs up and you know what if you don't like it give us a thumbs down that's fine too yep. and if I don't, I don't read the comments i'm gonna go ahead and tell you i have other people that tell me i, 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 I don't want to hear it because i i you know i don't want any personal attacks on jeremy or myself or text or anyone doing it but you know what you're sure as hell can go in there and voice your opinion and that's fine but the main thing is subscribe and like it man with that said um, again it's tinyurl.com slash bbbbvideo 
and uh, give us a uh, subscribe to us, give us a like. We're doing the top referees in a day. It's our top ten list. If you don't like it, hit us up. There's a YouTube page, there's a, a Facebook page, and there's Twitter at the Geekish Cast, Bobby Blaze 744, and Bell to Bell or uh, Bell to Bell Blaze on those, and, and use the hashtag BBBB and say, you know what, I didn't like your top ten or I loved your top ten because number ten was Sunny Fargo also known as Roughhouse Fargo. Tim White came in at number nine. Bill Fonzie Alfonso came in at number eight. Jerry Calhoun came in at number seven. And Pee Wee Anderson, that you just heard, was number six. And I want to move on here to number five with one of my favorites, man, Nick Patrick. I'm going to let you talk a little bit, Jeremy, because I just went on a big rant there, and I didn't even drop an F-bomb that I'm aware of. No, so. I, you, uh, we kept that pretty clean. I was kind of shocked. <laughs> yeah. And, and Bobby, just to, not to correct you on air or anything, but... what I do. <laughs> well, uh, you said that we have 1,600 likes. We actually have 1,782 subscribers on YouTube right now. 1,782? Yeah, we're about to hit 1,800. We'll probably All hit right. 1,800 by the end of the day. Um, so no, it's a, look, I, I, you know, I got to tip my hat if I wore one to Tex. He's done a hell of a job putting these videos together. Um, you know, I got to thank the fans out there for checking it out. I mean, we're almost more YouTube show than we are, uh, podcast at this point, you know? Yeah. And what did he, he broke it down the other day and said, that means that every minute of the last three weeks, we've had 12 people listening to us. Hey. Let's yeah. get that to twenty, then eighty, then a hundred. Yep. Who knows, man? Oh yeah, you know, I went, I went and had lunch with a friend of mine who, who guy that you know had produced a couple of animated shorts and stuff back in the day, and he's pitched a couple of TV shows. He's like, you and Bobby should put together a show and pitch it to the WWE Network. And I was Damn. like, hmm, you might be onto something there. But that being said, let's talk about Nick Patrick for a minute because. Yes. Uh, you, he, and who was the other person I was thinking of? But I thought we should form a trio of the three of you and call you the Mississippi, Mississippi Mudflaps just because you all rocked that mullet at that time. <laughs> yeah. I don't remember if you put uh, Ricky in there or Tommy or someone, but yeah, you. I can't remember who it was you put in there. I, I remember, I recall that though. Yeah, he did rock the mullet, man. Yeah. He was also he was also the second referee I ever noticed that went completely shit faced heel on people. <laughs> yeah. He, he was, yeah, well, he was the NWO's yeah, personal yeah. referee. Yeah, that's what it was. Yeah, yeah. Hell, I was there. I didn't pay attention. <laughs> oh, you know, you had your own shit to worry about. I was that's just, right. like I said before, I was just, you know, some jack off at home watching wrestling. Yeah. I, that's what I paid attention to. Now, the Nick stories. Was a good yeah. dude too, though, man. Nick, Nick hung out with the Armstrongs and and oh, Georgia boy, and he, uh, he's a good old guy, man. And I hung out with Nick a lot because I hung out with the Armstrongs a lot back in the day, and. uh we just got along really good. He was fun to be around. Of course, his dad was Jody Hamilton, one of the original assassins. Mm-hmm. But uh, Nick was Nick was you know smart to the business at an early age, and and of course the Armstrong being second generation wrestlers too, man, just full of knowledge. You can learn so much, you know, from referee telling you this. He was the one. Don't forget, I was victim number sixty-seven of Goldberg. Uh-huh. He was the one that refereed my match against Goldberg. And when I got in the back, and everyone you know checked everything was good and stuff, and Nick said, hey, Bobby, of all the matches Bill had, he said, I haven't seen him spear anyone like he speared you. By the way, your boots are out in the middle of the ring. <laughs> <laughs> and I like that because, you know, Nick and I just had that, you know, friendship. And, uh, yeah, you know, I, you know, I, went back and, I went back and saw that. He fucking hit you like a truck. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. So, but anyway, Nick, Nick was a good dude and he's a hell of a referee. Uh, and I think he finished, I know he went with WCW, you know, he wrote Crockett's and, and Georgia and, and, and WCW and all that. But he also, he did go to WWE for, uh, I guess four or five years there before he finished out his career in the ring. But, uh, hats off to, uh, Nick Patrick for the, uh, coming in at number five, man. Yeah. And no, he was, he was good because he was one too that, I mean, you noticed him more during the heel turn. But yeah. he was a guy that when even when that wasn't going on, he was one of those guys that would, you know, like finally get fed up with the villain and kick their hand off the rope or, you know, yeah. I mean, not as much as somebody else we'll talk about in a little bit yeah. here. But, you know, he was a good one to watch because he could. Well, you know, he was integral to storytelling, which I think yeah. is the, the point I'm trying to drive home about the referees is that yeah. you don't notice them until you notice them. And then it's usually something monumental in the match. Yeah. Yeah. Like the so. following guy. 
the following guy, man, I don't, most people are going to remember him for one thing, if nothing else, mm-hmm. but, uh, and I'm going to let you talk a little about that because I understand that you had to apologize to the entire nation of uh, Canada at one time, but anyway, we'll get to It's Earl Hebner, and, uh, you know, he's a senior referee for the World Wrestling Federation slash entertainment. Uh, he's went to T and he's been up, you know, after that, he's been at T and he's been everywhere, uh, Mostly, though, we'll go with the, you know, being with WWE since 88 through 2005, you know. Yeah. And he's known for known for what, Jeremy? Because that's going to draw some heat and, and them people in Canada. And you being a Bret Hart fan like you are, mm-hmm. uh, you know. So. <laughs> uh, well, it's it, he is really known for. The screw, the Montreal screw job finish. Exactly. Yes. Uh, but can I, can I remind everybody as well as the, the Montreal screw job? He or somebody who looked just like him gave the dirty <laughs> call to make Andre the Giant win over Hulk Hogan. Yeah. Yeah. So there, of an ass, man. yeah, that was, that was a nasty one. Cause I remember they went as far as to say that Dave Hebner was somebody else who had had plastic surgery yeah, to look like Earl course. Hebner. Yeah. <laughs> um, I would it's, say, do you think Earl Hebner is the most recognizable referee in wrestling? Uh, I, I think it's, that may, I think it's safe to say that. Yeah. Um, you think about all the pay-per-views he'd done through those years, let alone been on all the weekly programs that worldwide reach that the, uh, the WWF, WWE had. I, I, I dare say you're probably right. He's probably the most recognizable off this list. And, uh, I say there's a lot of places he's went through the years that he did not go unrecognized. You know, airports, car places, uh, any town or restaurant he went in, I would imagine he was just as recognized as some of the biggest stars in the company. You know, they had, yeah. they had to have known. He, he was on TV too damn much, you know what I'm saying? Well, and was, in too many big matches on pay-per-views. Yeah, I mean, he was absolutely ubiquitous with the WWF. Yeah. Um, I don't know how many people actually watch TNA during any point that he breathed there, so I don't know if that would add or take away. Yeah. But I, I mean, I can clearly picture Earl Hebner when you say his name. I know exactly what he looks like. Exactly, me too. And that's why I just I briefly missed the TNA because I was just like, yeah, I don't. Once I say that, just I remember him being there for a hot minute or whatever. But I, most of my memory is going to be, you know, WWF. F.E. whatever, and uh, you know exactly what the guy looks like. I think that's I think that's real safe to say, man. Most recognizable, easy on this list. I, I think so. I think out of any list, honestly. Yeah, yeah, I agree with you, man. Yeah. So uh, uh, and that screw job, that that screw job finish, man. That thing's gonna live in infamy forever. I think. Yeah. Oh, what, it will. Whether I don't or not. See how it will. Whether or not I suspect it of being bullshit, you know. <laughs> <laughs> oh man, hot damn, man! You just killed him, man. Oh, I cannot. <laughs> oh man, well let's move on to one of my personal favorites, man. A man that Mike Moneyham has called the hardest working man in WWE on the crew. There, this guy was a big fan of Ric Flair. He took after and learned from NWA, another NWA referee. I'll just leave it at that. But he had a tryout the same night I did in WCW, and he's still going strong today, and that's Charles Robinson, man. This guy, Charles Robinson, he had his tryout in Charlotte, North Carolina back in the day, man. And uh, man, he's just a really good man, a good, decent dude. Uh Takes care of his body. Good-looking guy. Yeah, I give a little bromance there to him, man, because uh, he's just always been a straight-up fair, good dude, and he's a hell of a good referee. I was just telling my brother the other day, uh, uh, he he goes to the building. And he sets up the ring, oversees the ring crew, gets on the tour bus, goes town to town, flies back out. Man, he is just he's a hardworking dude, man, and he's a first class human being. And that's what I want to say about uh, Charles Robinson. So if you hear a little bit of me, uh, you know, bromancing there, it's because I am so happy for this guy because when I first met him. To, to the last time I saw him, which has been a couple of years ago, I'm so happy this guy's living his dream because I know he loves the professional wrestling business. Probably about as much as I do, Jeremy. Yeah. Well, that's, <laughs> he is. that's the thing, too, is that these referees are usually guys who signed up to become wrestlers but were too small or, you know, or, or just found the niche in refereeing. But they're guys that are like you, you know, like you, Bobby, grew up loving wrestling and wanting to go into wrestling, and then they got there. Yeah. 
And that was Charles. Yeah. He knew he knew people. Uh, he was telling me different little things about like uh, people we knew. And it's like one of those things where you just kind of uh, mark out for each other, like, oh, you know, because we was there trying out. And we, you know, we both like got a job the same night and stuff. So we had that connection. You know, we'd always talk. And uh, of course, I didn't realize at the time how big a fan he was of, of the Nature Boy. But they even shot an angle with him. You know, him and referee. You know, doing the little little Nate. Yeah. You know, he, he he had to strut down. He even lightened his hair even more. You know, I bleached it at that time even more than it than it normally is. So yeah, he's had a good run though. Uh, when I talked to him, I. Know, you know he's got a few more years uh he wants to stay on the road doing doing his gig but uh just one of those people that you're happy to see something good happen to you know when you hear that thing when when someone deserves something or something good happens to a good person he's one of those people but i'll tell you what he's worked his ass off and he's put his miles in out there on that road to, to do that job and and uh i respect it that someone has that passion and they get a chance to live their dream and and to succeed in something they really love doing you know and that's my old buddy charles robinson so uh, i think he's on wwe robinson or something on on twitter i have to look him up we follow each other but uh i might have to get someone give him a shout out and tell him bobby blaze put him over would you do that for me so i don't have to go to him and say Charles, you know what I did? No, because he already knows if something's good, if someone's going to say something good about Charles Robinson, it's going to be me. So that's my number three pick, Charles Robinson. That's a good uh, one. I used to yeah. love anytime I'd see a match was coming up with Ric Flair that he was going to be the ref yeah. in because I knew Nature Boy was getting kicked or stepped on by the <laughs> ref at some point, you know, because, um, you know, dirtiest player in the game has got to have a referee that's willing to willing to shove back and and uh, take no bullshit. You know, and that's that right. and when you saw that he was in the ring for it, you're like, oh, f- Ric Flair's yeah. got it coming now. Yep, you're not going to be able to get away with none of your shenanigans, Mister Heel Champion. <laughs> that's right. Well, all right, Charles, you got a big plug there on the bell to bell with Poppy Blaze podcast, but we're got to move on uh, to number two and number one. And number two, for you keeping scores at homes, uh, that's going to be my good friend and the late Brian Hildebrand, professionally known as or also known as Mark Curtis. Um, Mark Curtis. And he got that name honestly. One of the best referees to watch in any match ever. The way he would roll backwards over a guy in a hold to check the other shoulder and then leapfrog back over him to check the other shoulder he would get down in the in the business. Um, he was the first person I ever used the sentence, he speaks referee perfectly. <laughs> That's good. That's good. Yeah, yeah, because he was like a mime in his ability to get across. Hey, hey. That's my gimmick. Hey. I know, I know. <laughs> um, but he could get, I mean, he was a little guy, and you could see him from anywhere in the arena when he was trying. No, it was only a two count, and yeah. you knew exactly what his calls were. You knew exactly what he was doing even though he's a million miles away and you couldn't hear him. It, just his his physicality in the match, his passion in overseeing the match, I just everything came through, and it came through perfectly. And um, I've never understood why he has two names. Uh, was he on the lamb? Okay, so Brian Hildebrand's his shoot name, okay. or what do you want to say, you know. Uh, but his wrestling name, like I said, he come about it honestly. Mark. He considered himself a mark for the business. He loved the business. He's one of them guys we talk about that has the passion for the business. He broke in to be a wrestler, and believe it or not, he could actually do some work. We used to work out some before the the matches in Smoky Mountain. We'd mm-hmm. always do a, a 50 to 100 to a couple hundred Hindu squats together. Uh, you know, we ran steps together. He was by far my favorite referee because, like me, you know, he loved the business. And he was getting a break right when I was getting a break, you know. And so, and then Curtis, he took that from uh, King Curtis. That's oh, okay. From. So he broke in with, uh, uh, with Dominic Danucci, trained him up in Pittsburgh area. He broke in with uh, – uh, the franchise, uh, Shane, and also with Mick Foley. He was in that group of guys, and he finally got a chance to break out and uh, Smoky Mountain. And, man, he was a, a valuable asset there in Smoky Mountain because he was doing everything, and he still was working his full-time job, and he didn't miss either from my understanding. But, yeah, Mark was he, – he just considered himself a Mark. And then the Curtis came from King Curtis because he was a great speaker, and, he, you know, he's old school. He loved that uh, that gimmick, you know, that name, and that's how he 
became Mark Curtis and, and feel free. Please add some Mark Curtis stories if you'd like to. Everyone, uh, loved old turtle, man. He just a good old guy. And he, uh, the, when you was talking about, I was going on my head when you was talking about his, the, the, the mimic and the mime, you knew what was going on the top row or the front row. It didn't matter. But in our matches, I had this thing with him. I trusted him so much that on that two count that if I didn't get my shoulder up and I would go with him to two and three quarters, and I knew exactly when just from him being that ring, when to raise my shoulder in those matches, because we just had that working connection together. And, and I could, I trusted him enough that I was going to get that shoulder up before he hit that mat with three before, so he could pop up and give the office. That was only two. That was only two, you know, yep. and uh, he was a small guy and he was agile and man, he could get around. And also I just thought of this while I was telling you, he's also one of a few referees I've seen do, and it got over. He done spots uh, on some spot shows with, uh, like, say, the Rock and Roll Express or Wrestling Heavenly Bodies or someone like that on a spot show somewhere. Mm-hmm. They would do it. If Ricky Morton and Robert Gibson maybe would do a leapfrog, Brian would be at the end of it and maybe take a leapfrog from Tom Pritchard or something. Like if Jimmy Del Rey's running under a leapfrog and then Ricky goes up and Robert goes down, Mark would be there, like, you know, out of position, but he really wasn't. So he'd go ahead and do the leapfrog, and, and whoever was in, Tom or Jimmy or whoever, they'd hit the ropes, you know, after he went underneath his legs, and the fans would pop on a house show like that, just giving him something extra, you know. So, uh, yeah, Mark Curtis, man, uh, there's only one reason why he can't be number one, because, uh, you know, and that's going to lead to someone that he – Try, he admired and also helped him once he got to Smoky Mountain. We mentioned of Charles Robinson. I about gave it away then. It was NWA referee that's going to come in at number one. That's who Mark Curtis learned a little bit from once he got to Smoky Mountain, and he took his style from. And I'm going to let you introduce him. And if you don't know by now, as being a fan of his show, if you don't know who Jeremy's going to say, then I, I don't know what to tell you. Quit yeah. listening. Well, number, <laughs> no, number one, <laughs> the number one referee in our yeah. estimation and in Jim Coronet's and everybody else's too, from what I've heard, is yeah. Tommy Young. Absolutely. Tommy Young. Man, he had that unique style. He did that urgent sliding onto the mat. That's where Brian or Mark Curtis got that thing from. That's where Charles got the stuff from for the two counts, the pantomime, the, uh, you know, right before you get to that mat and you're, like I told you, you you get ready to get your shoulders pinned and you have to kick out. Well, Tommy Young had those facial expressions, that that body language you was talking about like Mark Curtis had. Uh, He was able to sell the wrestler's move, man. He would would express the pain when someone had him in, you know, if Ric Flair had that figure four on Ricky Steamboat in a big match somewhere. And then he would show the frustration like he could, he'd be like, ah, you know, just I'm sitting there trying to fucking sell to my computer. Yep, what are you yep. doing? You know, <laughs> but anyway, Tommy Young was number one, man, because he set the standard for the NWA, for, for Crockett's. Uh, I met him briefly, you know, when, when I was coming in smoke, he was finishing up him and Stan were actually leaving, but, uh, he helped Mark a whole lot. I know Charles took his style from him and I know, you know, I don't know how many people through the years uh, go back to Nick Patrick and, and some of the other people, those old NWA guys that grew up watching that. Uh, Pee Wee it all up, man. Tommy Young is the number one on the list. There's no, I don't have a surprise Freebird rule to pop out or nothing like that. If Jeremy, if you have anything else to say about it, that, that's our number one, and I'll give us a brief uh, countdown of ten through one. I, so, I was gonna say, you know, Tommy Young right now for podcast listeners or wrestling podcast listeners. Um, oh, oh, don't go there. You well, tell me something. Go ahead. I'm not going to say what it is. You tell me something. I but, just was like, ah, I didn't know that. But, what, but on on the what happened Wednesday, uh, Tony Schiavone's show with uh, okay. that, that Conrad Conradelson or whatever that guy's name is. Okay. Um, they one of their best selling T shirts is a Tommy Young shirt, and is that right? Yes, and it involves a story about the barbarian, uh, well, making some demands of Tommy Young. <laughs> I'll have to check that yeah, out. Yeah, yeah. It comes up, or that. when I was listening to them, it came up quite a bit on there. Uh, okay. But, but, you know, when you listen to a lot of classic wrestling podcasts, like our show, like uh, Jim Cornette and, you know, those guys over the 605 Podcast yeah. Network, 
you hear Tommy Young's name quite a bit, but yeah. you know, he's, I think he's been out of the ring for a little while. So some people may not remember him, but it's funny to me that his name is going into infamy now for this joke, <laughs> this joke they yeah. tell, but yeah, you're right. You know, off this list of people we were talking about, like three of the people from the NWA uh, area, you, you have notes in here that say, you know, modeled himself after Tommy Young. Yeah. And these are great referees we are talking about. So, you know, when when great referees are using your style, it's because you were a greater referee. Yeah. And uh, I think that's amazing. This has been a fun list, Bobby. This has been a lot of fun. Yes, it's been great, man. We try to have fun with it. We know that. Uh, man, all I can say is I know we're getting ready to close out here. I'll let you close us out. But I just want to say again, man, hit us. I know there's a Facebook page. I'm not on there. There's a group there. Jeremy can tell you about that. You'll hear it at the end of the show or whatever. But I just know, man, that the uh, Bell to Bell podcast on Twitter is doing good. I know the YouTube is blowing up. You know, uh, that just blows me away. I, I just... I can't, I'm going to say it one more time, man. Just go to tinyurl.com, BB, BB video. That'll take you to the YouTube. Follow Jeremy on Twitter. Follow me on Twitter. Subscribe to the YouTube. Subscribe or follow the Bell to Bell uh, Blaze podcast. But these lists, I learn so much from them. I learn so much from Jeremy from them. We learn from each other and we learn from the fans, man. So keep, just keep plugging us along, man. I think we've got a hell of a podcast. And, uh, hey, Herb, if you're listening, Turn down the radio. You're at your mom's house, you bastard. <laughs> <laughs> That's all I got to say because I didn't drop too many f bombs today. I am trying to do better. But that that doesn't mean I'm gonna stop for for good. That's just uh, that's just for this episode, probably. Yeah, <laughs> uh, well, you know, we, we, we uh, got a lot to cuss about. What a lot to cuss about. Yeah, we we, we got a letter from the upper floor here at Bell to Bell Towers, kind of saying, "Hey guys, you know, we need you to clean it up a bit and hit a wider audience." So we're we're trying, but we're not trying real hard. <laughs> <laughs> That's right. That's good. That's good, Professor. Yeah. I can't, man. Oh, well, Bobby, thank you for joining me again. It is a pleasure, as always. Our pleasure, yes. Yep. (laughs) And uh, everybody out there, for myself and for Bobby Blaze, uh, thank you for listening. It has been our pleasure to put this show on for you, but it is your pleasure to listen. Bye-bye, everybody. Thanks for listening to Bell to Bell with Bobby Blaze. You can follow the show on Twitter at Bell to Bell Blaze. You can also follow Bobby on Twitter at BobbyBlaze744 and Jeremy on Twitter at TheGeekishCast. To purchase one of Bobby's books, you can visit tinyurl.com slash blazebook1 to purchase Pin Me, Pay Me, Have Boots, Will Travel. And you can visit tinyurl.com slash blazebook2 to get I Kicked Out on 2, The Education of a Wrestler. To donate to the show's podcast hosting fees, you can visit gofundme.com slash Bell to Bell podcast hosting fees. Be sure to include a hyphen in every word in Bell to Bell podcast hosting fees. If you follow and listen to the show on Apple Podcasts, please leave a five-star review. Be sure to share the show with any wrestling fan you may know and get on the Facebook page where you can keep up with Bell to Bell fans just like you. Again, thanks for listening to the program and look for the show again next time.